When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to the Princeton Laxcast. I'm Jerry Price. I am joined by head men's lacrosse coach, Matt Madelon. Coach, welcome. Hey, Jerry. Happy to be back. Our podcast is brought to you by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health system of Princeton Athletics. To learn more about services and locations, visit rwjbh.org. Let's be healthy together. Thank you to RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health system of Princeton Athletics. Your team is 2-1 and one on the season with a loss last week to number one, Maryland. This week, the trip is to number three, Georgetown, to be followed by home games against number four, Rutgers, number five, Penn, number 12, Yale, and a Brown team that figures to be in the rankings by the time Princeton plays them. As we said last week, it's a challenging stretch. So let's go back to last Saturday in College Park. And what's the number one thing that you learned that you think your team learned from that experience? I think just really learning how to play hard for 60 minutes. I think that... um, Again, coming out of our first two games, Binghamton and Monmouth, or Monmouth and Binghamton in that order, just trying to limit the mental mistakes and kind of correct some of our errors and tighten some things up. And, you know, I think, you know, look, our, you know, our unit always, our team always plays hard, but for, for them to really, I think what Maryland did best was just expose, really just capitalize on our mistakes, um, both the mental piece and the physical mistakes. I think they really do make you pay um, in kind of like the hidden plays throughout the game. So, uh, very good subbing team. Uh, we had a couple falters there. 
a very good face-off team. Uh, we struggled there a little bit, but all in all, you know, learned a lot of some positives too, some good takeaways um, from the Maryland game, uh, just back to work this week. So, but Maryland, very good team. Um, and I think coming out of it as a coaching staff, we kind of looked and said, Hey, you know, that's a really mature group. Um, and that's a group that's played and won a lot of games together and they really do make you pay for mistakes. And we were on the, we were on the wrong end of that one. So when you go into a game like that with a team where we, you know, we talked about this before, but for the overwhelming majority of your team, that was their first or second road game. And you just don't have a ton of game experience, even by your more experienced players. And we had suggested last week that you need to go through an experience like that to have an understanding of what it means to play on that level. Do you think that they got that? I think so. I think it's, I think it's always a step in the right direction. I think anytime, every opportunity you get to play against another team in a different stadium um, or just generally against another team, you gain experience. So I think that's where, you know, I think looking at our systems and looking at the tape, like you can see the guys growing up in front of us, right in front of our eyes. Um, so yes, good experience for that. Um, any game's a wonderful experience and, and the more the merrier um, for some of our younger players. Were there some players in that game who stood out for how they played? I'll give you one, Ben Finley. Yeah, he did great. We, we all came away, um, both yourself, you know, when we were catching up afterwards and, you know, and the staff and just, he played a really tough physical game I and mean, he was all over it, made good slide decisions, uh, played very well on ball, um, had some good matchups, uh, did a heck of a job of getting physical when he needed to get physical. Um, and then again, very clean off the ground in terms of, you know, first time GDs and, and getting us up and out in terms of transition. So really happy with how Ben played defense as a whole. We did a really nice job. Obviously, Eric Peters backstop with 19 saves his career high. Like, you know, our defense does a wonderful job of, you know, giving up shots that he does gobble up and that we want to see. And then he does an outstanding job of bailing us out. You know, we may have some defensive lapses or just some of those in tight shots where, you know, it's kind of the shooter versus the goalie and Eric had a heck of a day. And, you know, we, I candidly, we weren't all that surprised. We see it every single day. Um, his consistency is unparalleled. I mean, it's outstanding. What was your career high in saves? Holy cow. I don't know. Um, I know I got scored a lot on when we played Salisbury. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. We, uh, it's a good question. We'll have to go to the, we'll have to go to the stat book for that one. Do you Probably think nothing was, above 15 or 16? Who knows? So do you think as a goalie that you know, the more you, the more shots you see, the more able you are to get into a good rhythm, the more confidence you get that you're making saves. The downside of that is you're seeing a lot of shots. Uh, there is a true component to that. I mean, when I was playing at Roanoke and it was the, it was before the shot clock era, you could sit in there, you know, they could come down their first possession. They could score on you. So maybe you don't touch the ball. I flip it back to the ref. They come down the next three, miss the net wide. You get a stop, you get a backup. All of a sudden, two minutes left in the first quarter and you haven't touched the ball yet as a save. Whereas now in the shot clock era, you know, there are just, a, there are more possessions in the game and there's more of in, there's more of a pressure to put a shot on cage. You know, we talk a lot about shotless possessions as an offensive group. Like we really don't want any of those. And I think that it really, I really came to understood that going into the pro game with the shot clock where you just are constantly seeing shots and really like, it's a way better format as a goalie because you're really like in the zone. Now, hopefully you're having a good day and you get in the zone and you stay in it. Um, but if you're not having a good day, there's really nowhere to hide. We're kind of in the pre-shot clock area. If you, you know, if you weren't having your best day, you could still kind of squeeze out a half or three quarters and really protect your team a little bit. Um, now, nowhere to hide, a lot more emphasis on goaltending. Um, we're really proud of our goalie room. We've got a great one in Eric. 
um, and Griff and, and Michael and, and uh, Ben behind them. When, you know, being a former goalie, and you, you obviously know what it's all about, as you've been saying, I've always thought that if you make your first save, like the first shot on goal, you make the save, and it just makes you feel good about the day that's coming, which is why for the game that Peters played was even more impressive because it was bang, bang, two quick goals for Maryland, and he could have gotten down quickly instead. He really did a good job of, of keeping you guys in that game after that. Oh, his resilience is awesome. I mean, look, I have more superstitions and I was more in my own head than any goalie you could ever imagine. I thought the first save was everything and that couldn't be farther from the truth. I think that there were so many games that I may have not made my first save and not only am I battling to then get my first save, but I'm battling in between my the six inches in between my ears too, to just make sure to not make that everything. I think that, you know, our goalies, you know, and Eric's, a great example of a guy that really doesn't play too much into that. He, you know, he may have superstitions. I don't know any of them. Um, he is the least scout oriented goalie I've ever seen um, and ever been around. And that's because <clears throat> he's far more talented than I ever was in terms of natural reactions of all stopping ability. So um, he's a really special one. Yeah. Uh, I do not push my superstitions on him. Um, in fact, I keep him as far away from that as possible, but we actually, you know, Coach A, uh, Coach Aslanian is reading a book with our goalies right now called The Inner Game of Tennis. It's about positive self-talk. And, you know, it's just a little kind of off the field tutelage from our goalie crew. Um, and he's great. That's just really important in terms of kind of having that that steady base and that understanding about the position and really understanding like the finer psychological points of it to not like psych yourself out or find yourself how to get into the zone. So um, we constantly work with those guys a little bit, but we're always a little bit less is more in terms of the superstitions and psychology piece. Just let these guys get comfortable. Um, their jobs, <clears throat> excuse me, their jobs hard enough. Um, you know, so we really kind of try to let them focus on the ball stopping ability of it. Now is the best time to plan your windows, doors, or siding project. Give Lawrenceville home improvement a call at 609-882-6709 for your free estimate on the highest quality products with superior installation practices. When it's time to improve your home's appearance and energy efficiency, remember Lawrenceville Home Improvement, windows, doors, and siding. Find them on the web or visit their showroom today. We talk about the game at Maryland. We have to talk about the game that Sam English played with four goals in the first half. Uh, you know, he's very good at creating his own shot. He has great awareness of where the cage is. And he's a, he's a very, very good finisher from the midfield. This is somebody who was a defensive midfielder when he came in and who had four goals in the, in the game against Maryland, which was more than he had for his career prior to that. Let's talk a little bit about how he played and what he brings. He had a wonderful game. I mean, his speed and athleticism is elite. He, you know, he's an outstanding defensive midfielder. He's an outstanding transition midi. He's doing a great job developing into an offensive midi. He's a guy that you'll kind of see us continue to move him around, you know, depending on the game to game and the game plans, you may see him playing more defense one week than the next week, his task and his role this week was off was offensively. And he did a really good job. Maryland was a team that was slow to slide to short sticks. They run to really make you earn your goals, kind of dare you to score. And, and Sammy did a wonderful job of that. He really capitalized on some tough plays, went into the thick of it, into the spots where he kind of knew it was going to be physical. Uh, and we're really proud of how he played. It was a good step forward for him. And let's talk about the faceoff situation. Jack Henry Vara was just uh, released that morning from the COVID protocol, had to make the drive down to Maryland, uh, hadn't practiced all week. 
You were without Tyler Sandoval, you were out Kobe Ginder, and now here comes Jack, and he has to not only face off, he has to face off against two different guys, and he has to take 29 face-offs, and you know, the numbers weren't great, but I thought he, he battled hard and gave you guys a chance. He did outstanding, and we complimented him very much after the game from the coaching staff in front of our entire team. That's a guy that did just what you said. He came down, battled really hard. He was in the COVID protocol doing his best to prepare through scout film, through conversations with the coaching staff and the other face-off guys. And then, you know, look, we did travel down to that game with no face-off guys. We had we had every, you know, we had all the intentions if needed be, if need be to to go at that game without a face-off unit and junk it up a little bit and create ground balls there. But getting Vara back, even, even as late as it was, um, still better than not having a face-off guy. There's no doubt about that. So he went in, knew the film, knew his role, um, understood what he needed to do to execute, to create the 50-50 ground balls, to try to win a couple, throw some clamps, throw some counters. So um, he was prepared uh, mentally. And then the physical piece, like obviously having not practiced for a little while and coming off a previous week with a bunch of games. So it is lighter in general. Um, he just did a really nice job. We're really proud of the young guy. Um, he was up against it, you know, and not even having the ability to necessarily have another face-off guy as a sub. Um, but he went in there, he battled, he adjusted throughout the entire game. Uh, we moved our wings around for him to try to create different opportunities, uh, both offensively and defensively. So uh, really proud of how he did. And he'll continue to take steps forward for us. I don't think people appreciate just how hard it is to take 29 face-offs and have to take all of them, knowing that you have to take all of them. That's a grueling position. Well, it really is. And it's not only, I mean, it's a physical three-on-three battle, but then when you get a really well-coached program like Maryland and they realize you have one face-off guy and they start running you off sub picks and making you play defense for 15 seconds before you sub off. And all that really does is take every opportunity, every time they do that, it takes a little more out of the tank. Um, so they were really smart. They coached to that. Um, they kept him on as much as they could. They put him in the sub game. They made him play the pick game initially before subbing off. And, and that's just really good technique by that staff, um, to take advantage of our one face-off guy. So now it's back to the DC area. It'll be a game at Georgetown. That will be uh, Saturday, a noon start, two things. One figures to be about 60 degrees in Washington on Saturday. And two, there is no admission charge for that game. Did you know that they're not charging admission? I didn't. Always 70 and sunny where the Tigers play. We're always happy to play on game day. So we don't care about the weather, but we look forward to it being 60 degrees. That's awesome. So if you're if you're going to be anywhere near D.C., it's free. You can just go over. They have a great uh, field to watch a game, and they have a great team that they're going to put on that field. The number three-ranked team in the country, undefeated, got to the NCAA quarterfinals last year. Another really strong defensive challenge. Another really good goalie. Another really good faceoff unit. Uh, a lot of good, good offensive threats. You know, what do you see from Georgetown as you start to prepare? You did a pretty good job explaining. I mean, they're really, they're a lead up the middle of the field. Their goalie's saving it, I think, around 66% right now. Their faceoff guy's outstanding. He's got to be one of the top statistically. You know, they're really, they're, again, they're really strong up the middle of the field. And they add Will Bowen, you know, kids wearing number 99, big elite defenseman down there, played three years at Carolina, comes over. They're doing a wonderful job in terms of putting their unit together. Um, you're right. They got pieces all over. They got a good offense. They keep it simple. They're playing aggressive. Um, very good program. We are very excited to get down there and play these guys. I feel like we match up pretty well. I've heard from a lot of alums. We're going to have a pretty great turnout down there. Um, I know a lot of the 2020 guys going down there. I talked to some other guys that read the game. We had a great turnout too in Maryland. It was awesome to see some of those guys after the game. So the Tiger faithful never, never fails to show up. 
Um, and it means the world to our guys and our staff. I know that the facility at Maryland, they play in their football stadium. So it has amenities that you wouldn't have on a smaller field. And I know there are teams that have to do that either for space reasons or they don't have the facility. I just like the smaller fields. Like, you know, I love 52 and Sherrod Field. Oh, we love it. Absolutely. Georgetown, a much smaller, much more intimate place to watch a game, obviously, than College Park. One thing I wanted to ask you about, so last week would have been the week we would have played uh, Virginia. This would have been Hopkins. Both of those teams uh, went in different scheduling directions. How hard was it to get these two teams uh, to to replace them? Because you replaced two really good teams with, you know, two better teams. You know, it... Scheduling is always challenging, you know, print the way Princeton schedules laid out and the Ivy League schedules laid out um, and the Rutgers game and some of our historic games on our schedule it doesn't allow a lot of flexibility. Um, but again, like Princeton, our location, um, the history, the tradition, you know, the RPI, wherever where we think our team's going. Um, I think there were a lot of teams excited to, you know, have Princeton on the schedule and vice versa. So I think, you know, look. We always want to try to play the best. You know, I love that, you know, I, I love that you remind folks about, you know, when we start this podcast, just about the upcoming rankings and the teams. And we hope that's year in and year out. We want to play the best teams and we hope we're one of those top ranked teams. So um, we're never going to shy away from it. It's something we love and we want to create. We want to put our guys up against the best. And, you know, you're going to live and learn from every experience. So um, we think hard was just, it though, to, to come up with like, the fact that Maryland had an open date and Georgetown had an open date. Really, you start from the top down. So when you get when we get an open date, our staff, we look at it and we say, hey, who is the best team we can play? Um, and we'll start there and we'll kind of and we'll go down and, and coach Warren and I and coach Tillman. We've had conversations in the past about trying to get these games on our schedule, whether it be scrimmages. So they were my first two calls. And, and honestly, I'm going to say it wasn't that hard because it wasn't. We, got, we ended up really lucking out. The dates synced up. Um, and we ended up getting pretty lucky there. But are those uh, reciprocal arrangements? Will they be? They a- are. So both those teams will be coming to Princeton next year. Awesome. Um, one last thing before we let you go. Each week we're talking to a player. This week's player is Luke Crimmins. He'll be on after you. Luke uh, had a more offensive role uh, in his uh, first few years with the team. You took him and moved him to defensive midfield short stick for this year, a position he hadn't played before at Princeton. Uh, he had two goals against Binghamton. He's obviously embraced the new role. He's a big athletic guy who brings another big physical guy to the position. What was it about him that you thought he might be able to help you there? And how did he react to being told that he's moved from offense to defense? Sure. Luke's done an outstanding job for us. I mean, you said it. He is a big athletic guy. He's got good twitch. He's got good footwork. So when we were, when we, when we, a couple guys go down at that position early in our season, and we were really looking to kind of sure that up and understand that that is what we think, what we deem is one of the most challenging positions on the field. You're constantly getting attacked on ball, off ball picks, long dodges, backside dodges, invert. So we really needed a guy A with some experience, with some game experience. Um, we just kind of looked at our roster and Luke was hovering about cracking in one of those top two lines on the midfield. And he's a guy that does have experience. And when he does get caught on the defensive end, does a really good job with his matchup. So we saw it as a natural fit um, as far as how Luke took it. Uh, anything to help the team mentality. No one, no one bats an eye. we got a good locker room. we got guys that are starting to really understand what it takes to win and what winning means. Um, so took it in stride. Wonderful. And he's done a great job. Still got a lot to learn, but really kicking butt down there. Really happy for him. Talk a little bit about him as a person. Awesome young guy. So we got, obviously, 
you know, I was part of his recruiting process. So um, him and his family are wonderful. I know even when coach Mitch jumped on board, he went up and spent some time with him in Rhode Island as he was just getting a feel for our guys. So um, good, relaxed off the field and actually brings a little of that relaxed composure into his defensive posture as well. So very in control, um, just really great kid, great teammate. Well, we'll hear from Luke Crimmins in a few moments, but Coach Madelon, thanks for being with us here. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Tiger Faithful, for always showing up. We'll get this one this weekend. Good luck down in, uh, in D.C., and we will take a short break and be back with uh, Luke Crimmins. You're listening to the Princeton LaxCast. Looking to get away this weekend but don't want to go far? How about a last-minute getaway to the Princeton Marriott at Forrestal? Nestled on 25 acres of lush woods and just a few minutes from campus. Enjoy tranquil guest rooms, state-of-the-art health club, indoor pool, and a full-service spa. Stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, craft cocktails and local beers at Iron and Ivy. Plus, their 2,100-square-foot M-Club Lounge takes relaxation and convenience to a whole new level. If a wedding, reunion, or other social event is in your future, the Princeton Princeton Marriott has a variety of event spaces, indoor and outdoor. Located on College Road East across from the Forestal Village, explore all the Princeton Marriott at Forestal has to offer at PrincetonMarriott.com. Back here on the Princeton LaxCast, I'm Jerry Price. I'm joined by Luke Crimmins. And Luke, glad to have you here. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So you guys are off to a 2 and one start, trip to Georgetown this weekend to take on the number three Hoyas. After that, it's the number four Rutgers Scarlet Knights and the number five Penn Quakers at home. Last week was the number one Maryland Terrapins. After that is Yale and Brown. Doesn't get any easier at any point here. Uh, just talk a little bit about what it's like to be back playing and to uh, be, be playing this challenging schedule. It's great. You know, the year off. So for those of you who don't know, I took a gap year like most guys in the team last year. Um, and the, the year off was great, you know, for, you know, getting my mind right. Um, having some new experiences, but really it was all about coming back and playing lacrosse with this team. Um, so it's, it's great to be back. You know, the team looks really good and we're, we're really excited to like have this challenging of a schedule, you know, playing the best competition in the country. That's what it's all about. So let's talk, let's start with you and then we'll get back to the team and, and specifically your role has changed dramatically from what it's been in the past to this year, where you've moved from an offensive midfield to a short stick defensive midfielder position. Whose idea was that? Uh, I assume it came from the coaching staff. What was your response when they asked you that? And how's the transition been? The transition's been great. So um, Coach Mads was the one who reached out to me um, a few weeks back, actually right before the season started. I've been, I've been playing on the offensive side of the ball all, like, all throughout the fall um, and even into, into the uh, you know, preseason. Um, but Coach Mads reached out to me. Um, we were down a few guys in the defensive midfield position. Um, and he just proposed the idea and I was super receptive right off the bat, you know, any way that I could help the team, um, I was all for it. So, uh, it's been great, you know, learning and understanding a whole different side of the game. You know, I've had some like initial exposure into the, into defense, like, um, you know, in high school, I played a little bit and even my freshman year at Princeton, I played like a little bit of transition on the defensive side of the ball, but, um, nothing to the extent I am now, you know, I'm, I'm fully a defensive midfielder and I'm embracing it and I love it. Um, it's gritty. We grind. Um, it's all about dominating your one-on-one matchups and, and doing what you can to support your teammates. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's like, it's, it's refreshing to have a whole new perspective on the game. What, what has been the number one takeaway for you from, you know, that new perspective? What has really stood out? What's really stood out is it's not so much about individual performance. Uh, it's really about like 
the, the team defense and not to say that that's not the case for offense, but it just seems more so for defense. It's, it's you know, if you screw up, which it's going to happen, you know, guys get beat and play like the best competition in the country. Like we said, it's how can you problem solve and how can you as a supplementary player, help your teammate recover and so, like solve that problem. So um, that that's probably been the biggest thing, you know, every little detail matters. I'd say that too, you know, um, you're it, anywhere from like wh where you're positioned on the field to your footwork to, you know, which way your hips are facing to your approaches to your, you know, all these things really, really matter. And it's, it's uh, you start to realize that once you, once you dive head first into the defensive role. So the obvious thing, it's not just you, it's Bo Pedersen, it's Marquez White, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, Joseph Youngerkiss, it's Luke Anderson when he gets back, uh, you know, Teddy Gutman, the whole group of short sixty middies on the team. I assume you were all offensive middies in high school for the most part, but goal scorers at the very least, if you were two-way middies. And you at Princeton have been a goal scorer in the past. So now you're in a position where you're not going to be able to get as many shots unless they come in transition, because obviously you're running off the field on the uh, when the ball's going from defense to offense. I would think that that is, uh, you know, at first it's a difficult thing to say, all right, well, you know, I like to score goals. Now I'm not going to be able to do that. Did you feel that way? Or, and, uh, you know, how, how, how much does that impact you as you, you know, you know that your offensive stats are going to come down? It honestly doesn't impact me that much. I'm really happy to just be on the field and contributing. Um, like you said, your, your, your offensive numbers are going to go down inherently, but there's other ways to get the, to, to, you know, pump those numbers, you know, like you said, and what mad coach Mads approached me with was this idea that I could have a big role in the transition game. Um, and that kind of reflected a little bit in the Binghamton game. I was able to, you know, make an impact in the transition, score a few goals. Um, and we're a NASCAR team. I say NASCAR, that's kind of our, our mindset when it comes to transition, we like to push it, put pressure on the defense in the sub game. And, um, you know, I think that my personal uh, attributes add well to that, you know, just being like fast and aggressive on the offense side of the ball and um, making those reads, having come from an offensive stand, like background, um, I think that I can add value there. So to answer your question, that's kind of a long-winded answer, uh, way to answer. Um, I'm not discouraged by the fact that my goals and points are going to go down. Um, I'm actually the opposite, you know. I'm really happy to be on the field and contribute. So let's talk about the game last Saturday at number one, Maryland. Uh, team came back after the year away, opened with wins over unranked Monmouth and unranked Binghamton. You had two goals in the game against Binghamton. Now you go down to College Park to play Maryland, a team that played in the NCAA championship game a year ago. They're the number one team in the country right now. Uh, it was asking a lot, uh, but I also, I also thought going into that game that your team needed that experience to go through that, to prepare itself for the challenges that now come. What did you learn from that game? What, what do you, what do you, what's your biggest takeaway from the experience of playing against Maryland in a game like that? And where do you think, how do you think that positions you now moving forward? I think the biggest takeaway from that game is that we can run with the best team in the country. We obviously had some adversity from the get-go, having been down two of our three face-off guys due to COVID or um, Ginder had an elbow injury. Um, and even then, with the possession being lopsided, we were able to stay in it the entire game. Um, from a defensive standpoint, you know, we definitely had some buttoning up to do. We addressed it in the film yesterday. Some of our systems weren't um, as great as they needed to be and you can't afford to have that when you're playing the best team or any of the top competitive teams so um, we've got a lot to learn but 
um, overall, like from my individual game, um, you know, it's a little overwhelming being thrown into the D role and then immediately playing these, these really elite teams, but just trying to do my job as best as I can and continuing to learn on the fly. You know, Coach Hirsch has done such a great job explaining the systems to me. The guys around me have just been really supportive, you know, teaching me on the fly. So um, just trying to be a sponge, really, and take it all in and get better every day. You were a lacrosse soccer player growing up, correct? Yeah, I played hockey as well. But um, yeah, lacrosse, soccer and hockey. I should have looked this up beforehand, but Rhode Island, right? Yes. So, uh, you know, how old were you when you started playing lacrosse? Uh, what was it about lacrosse that really appealed to you more than the other sports? And how did you end up coming to Princeton? Um, so I started playing lacrosse. I got it been forever, really. Um, you know, my dad played, so me and my brother have always had a stick, a, a stick in our hands since I can remember. Um, and just, we were just kind of like a sports family, really. Like I said, I, I played soccer in the fall, hockey in the winter and lacrosse in the spring. And, um, they all just really meshed well together with the, the, the different skills they translated over, you know, I got the speed from soccer and like the IQ decision-making and understanding like the game. And then, you know, hockey is a little different, but um, still the competitive edge is there. It's funny because for a long time, hockey had my primary focus, especially when I was younger. I was like much more focused on hockey and wanted to could potentially see myself taking that as my, you know, into college. But my lacrosse game just kind of like evolved much quicker. You know, I got better faster and I was being more dominant of a player and, um, it wasn't until my freshman year in high school that I, I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to really focus on this lacrosse. And I made the decision that I wanted to play at the Division One level, and I wanted to play at an Ivy League institution. You know, I wanted to use lacrosse as a tool to get in the best school that I could. Um, so, you know, from that point on, I, I, I joined some good club teams. I had some really great mentors who looked out for me and gave me, like, a clear path and how to do this. And... Um, you know, the rest is kind of history. I, I, I had some early conversations with Princeton. I want to say like early in my junior year. Um, and then before I knew it, Coach Bates at the time decided to come to one of my, my high school games. We were playing the, uh, the reigning ISL champ, which is the league, my high school league. They, uh, we played Fair Academy and we put on a really dominant performance. And after that, Coach Bates reached out to me directly and just expressed his interest and, in, you know, that's kind of how the whole thing went, went down. You talked about how you had some pretty good mentors for coaches. What's the best advice you got and from who uh, as a young player that really has helped you the most? It's kind of tough because there's been so many of them. I, I'd say two of my greatest mentors were one, Dave Jenkins, who's the, who was like the administrator of the 3D lacrosse New England like club. And he really took me under his wing and, and showed me the ropes and how to get recruited and how to become a better lacrosse player. Um, and then my other great mentor was my high school lacrosse coach, Jake Westerman, who was a former player at Brown. Um, and they just, they just recognized the drive in me and that the aspirations I had and were able to kind of sculpt that sculpt me into like being the player and the, and the student really, because Mr. Westerman was also my English teacher. So he, he, he helped me not just on the field, but in the classroom and achieve the, the level of academics as well as athletics that I, I needed to, to have in order to get to where I wanted to go. So uh, you, know, you have the rest of the senior season coming up and um, 
you know, obviously game, this big stretch of games coming up starts Georgetown noon on Saturday, but what's, uh, what's next for you after graduation? You know, I, I don't have it entirely mapped out yet. Um, I'm, I'm not one of those guys who can say I've locked in a job from the start of the year, you know, um, I'm still, you know, on the hunt. Um, I'm thinking maybe some sort of uh, sales role in like, uh, like a tech startup or something, but um, my mentality right now is to continue focusing on lacrosse, con continue working on my senior thesis, enjoying my spring and um, enjoying my time with my friends. And then uh, my job search, I've kind of pushed it to post-grad and, uh, you know, give, my time some, 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 give myself some time over the summer to really put some, some more thought into it. What is uh, your thesis on? Uh, my thesis is kind of random, um, but it's pretty interesting. It's about farming in Uganda. Um, so there's these, more specifically, it's about contract farming, which is essentially like a scheme where farmers and buyers of farm outputs um, like agree to like the sale of the goods before like harvest. So it's essentially supposed to help um, farmers like smooth their incomes, you know, have a guaranteed market for their like, for their for their uh, products. And, you know, it, sound, it sounds great in theory, and I'm looking at some data to try to see um, how it plays out in the data. Are these farmers seeing an, in, an increase in their incomes, and how is it affecting their demand for higher labor, and how is it affecting their investment decisions? Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a random topic, but I was uh, kind of geared towards this direction under the guidance of my advisor, whose specialties are like agriculture and trade, and I was just kind of sifting through potential ideas, and um, we kind of just talk we, we talked about that briefly and then i kind of ran with it you know uh lacrosse is big in uganda now is it yeah did you know that i didn't tom schreiber has actually done a lot with uganda lacrosse and they uh they uh competed at the last world championships and maybe even the one before that yeah the last two world championships i think maybe i can uh, add a footnote in there somewhere about the lacrosse side of things you gotta sneak it in somewhere yeah so luke thanks uh, so much for taking some time to be with us good luck uh, Saturday at Georgetown and for the rest of your senior season. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Yeah, happy to be here and uh, look forward to uh, the rest of the season. For Princeton short stick defensive midfielder Luke Crimmins, I'm Jerry Price. And also for head coach Matt Madelon, thank you for being with us this week and every week on the Princeton Laxcast. And thank you for your continued support of Princeton men's lacrosse. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.